This is the Infatuation Podcast, a show where we get together with people to talk about Asian things that we love. Today's episode, we'll be talking all about the food industry. I'm Curtis's sister, Carol, and we'll be joined by my friend, Chef Shirley Chung. So here we go. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode number 19, part two, our episode on the food industry, restaurant industry, and we're joined again by my big sister, Carol, and she's worked uh, pretty much all over the food industry, New York, LA, Las Vegas for the past 25 years, organizing food events and consulting for restaurants and different, different openings. So welcome back, Carol. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, everyone. And joining us is Carol's good friend and dumpling soulmate, we have Chef Shirley Chung, who's worked at some of the most famous kitchens around California and elsewhere in Las Vegas. And she is the co-owner and chef of Miss Chi Cafe in Culver City, California. And she's also been on Bravo's Top Chef season 11 and 14, so we're going to talk a lot more about that. But welcome back, Shirley. Hi. And we are also joined by high school student intern, Madison. Welcome back, Maddie. Hi, I'm happy to be back. Yeah, Madison just got home from school. That's why That's why she's a little late. <laughs> yes, I did. But uh, welcome. She's going to help us uh, do some editing on this, and that'll be fun. So uh, we had a good time talking last week about uh, the origin story of Shirley and Carol, and we also talked a little Dumpling Mafia. So a little recap on that. Dumpling Mafia is a group, including writer and podcaster Andy Wang. We have the three of them, and, and there are some other folks that come along. But if you would like to join the Dumpling Mafia and be a part of the Dumpling Mafia NFT, you can do so by going to their Instagram. Uh, what was the handle again? It was Dumpling Mafia NFT on Instagram? That's it, at Dumpling Mafia NFT. And if you join before February 17th, you can join a cook-along online with Chef Shirley from from her restaurant. And you can cook uh, her dumplings at home through Gold Belly. Um, there's so many. I, if you go to the menu on Gold Belly, it all looks good, Shirley. <laughs> what Do you have a favorite? Do you have something that, that for the first timer that we should order? I mean, like my dumpling combo. So you kind of get the best. So you got like 20 packs of chicken dumplings. And then my jumbo cheese popsticles, which is like a top shelf winning dish. So it's one of our most popular dumplings from the sheep or across the board. So the dumpling combo from Go Valley, definitely a great, uh, great things to order. But lately, the popular thing is really my tea smoked duck. Yeah. I, I, we couldn't keep like we're so busy that because I actually use Mary's Farm uh, from we all keep it in the California. So um they have to personally call me and let me know that they cannot uh, supply over a hundred duck a week and they have to <laughs> apologize to me yeah, because I, mean, I gave them a heads up i've been telling them since like october i was like hey i'm gonna let you know throughout december to january we're gonna <laughs> go through over a hundred duck a week like over a hundred duck a week you guys like need to be, be ready and they weren't ready <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of ducks for a small small group but yes we're a small restaurant that sell a lot of duck yeah but it all looks good and you can cook it at home and and in my opinion dumplings is one of the things that holds up the best you know and you yeah. when you freeze it it really it tastes i mean not as good as fresh but it tastes it tastes good yeah. so 
Yeah, and we'll talk a little more about cheeseburger dumplings in a minute when we talk about Top Chef. But yeah, super fun. So uh, join the join the Dumpling Mafia through their NFT, and uh, you can get some access to to Shirley as well as my sister Carol, and you you'll be able to be part of a very elite and limited group of people if you join the the Dumpling Mafia. Last time we opened up with a uh, with a lightning round. Today we're gonna open up. Let me open up this document. Hold on. We're gonna open up with some chef trivia. Are there like <laughs> prizes for this? I feel like we should earn prizes. We're all winners. We're I all know. winners. What? <laughs> chef trivia. Carol is the best. Nobody can go against her. She's really good at trivia. I'm really bad. She knows everyone and every. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I, a lot of pressure. I think these will be easy for you for both of you. <laughs> Maddie, do you have any? You ever watch Food Network or Top Chef or any of those things? Um, I used to watch Master Chef when I was little, and like Junior, I don't know, Master Chef Junior. Oh, the little kids, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. parents like to watch um a lot of cooking shows, so. Ah, uh, so you're gonna, so you can flex on them at <laughs> dinner tonight. And say, hey, you know who I just talked to? I talked. Yeah, to exactly. Shirley Chung. All right, are you ready? Question number one of our chef trivia: uh, Which chef has? And now I think this is a cumulative. So even if they lost stars, it still counts as a star. Which chef has the most Michelin stars of all time? I think it used to be Alain Ducasse. I don't know if it still is anymore. I think he's number two. Who has more now? Um, let me think. I see. I, well, he has a restaurant named after himself. <laughs> Robuchon. Yeah, Robuchon. Yeah, uh-huh, really? no, is like. Tokyo and well, I guess Robuchon's in Tokyo too. Huh. Well, and and Ducasse has the distinction of being the only chef to send food to the International Space Station. (laughs) Wow. True true story. I flew the Concorde on the day that it was relaunched, and he was the in-flight meal. And because it was like a press a press trip, so he was on my flight cooking us dinner on the Concorde. (laughs) On the Concorde. Not the space station, but what else? We did yeah. go from Paris to New York in two, three hours. Wow. Ah, Crazy. And you can't, no one else can say that now because they're not flying exactly. anymore. <laughs> All right, next question. Who was the first female chef to win the James Beard Award? I'm going to say Lydia Bastianich. Nothing local. Think Bay Area. I'll do it. Uh, uh, Alice Waters. Alice Waters. Alice Waters. Uh, Chez Panisse. Chez Panisse. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, first, first female. All right. Um, the famous Beverly Hills Chinese restaurant, Mr. Chow. Uh-huh. What is Mr. Chow's first name? I know the son's <laughs> first name is Max. <laughs> it does start with an M. Uh, Michael. Michael Chow. Michael his Chow. first wife was yeah. Eva. And his daughter <laughs> was... I was like, I know his son's name. Uh, and and Carol, you just ate there over the holidays, didn't you? Just eat at Mr. Chow. Over I did. Well, it was actually Peter's birthday. Uh huh. That's right. I do love that place. I do love that place. It's like it is. It is not even <laughs> it's Chinese like old food. Hollywood it's, food. it's like the yeah. old. It's like a legendary. Yeah. Served to you by Italian waiters in tuxedos and wildly <laughs> overpriced, but it's so good. <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, all right. I think you'll know this one, Shirley. Which award-winning chef began his culinary career at Stuff Your Face Pizzeria in New Jersey? Someone you've I worked know that for. I one. Mario Batali? <laughs> the Mario Batali. Stuff Rutgers. Your Face. He went to Rutgers. 
<laughs> All right. Now, this one might be hard. Who, I'm going to name four names, who has not appeared on Top Chef? All right. Who has not appeared on Top Chef? Jimmy Fallon, Ali Wong, Natalie Portman, or Tom Brady? Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm gonna say Tom. Yeah, Tom Brady. Yeah. I was gonna say Tom Brady. Yeah, because Jimmy Fallon's NBC Universal. Yeah, Ali Wong, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're going by affiliation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. 100. Now Gronkowski was on, but Tom Brady was not. So, so they have. He's they also have just his diet is so restrictive. He's on some like That's anti-inflammatory <laughs> vegan diet, so he probably yeah, didn't he eat, like, eat anything. He haven't tasted. I re- I remember I read something that. He haven't tasted strawberries for like twenty years or something like yeah, that. He doesn't I'm eat like, nightshades. But like, what's doesn't wrong with yeah. strawberries? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, but he's forty-four years old, still playing football, so you can't argue with the evidence. He's man. the goat. All right, you guys did well on that. Well, uh, you can relax now. The quiz is over. Ooh. Everyone can relax. <sighs> <laughs> All right. So last week we started our, our conversation with, with Carol and Shirley. And so we're going to just pick up a little bit. So, um, Carol, let's talk about your, your food events where anyone who was anyone who showed up at these things, what, what was it like putting on these events in the nineties? Was were you, did you get starstruck at all when you're, you know, when you're calling up Gordon Ramsay or, you know, what, what was it like when you're in the nineties and you're, you're hobnobbing with all these guys that, that are pretty big. No, I think because I was doing it with, with Bon Appetit magazine, it was always kind of, I'm calling on behalf of this magazine. Uh, so I was able to sort of take that mantle on and that clout. Yeah. It was like, it's, I'm just little me, but I am calling from, Bon Appetit. you know, you're going to return my call because I'm calling from this magazine. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. And it was good. But a lot of the times, honestly, you're not talking to the chef, you're talking to their assistant or, you know, maybe someone in their sure. office. Um, and those people are really the gatekeepers and, and, the best chefs have a really well-run organization all the way down to their office. So, you have a you have a good story for us, a, a fun story about a, a, way, a way you met someone, or, or so. I will tell you how I met Gordon Ramsay. Okay. It was uh, 1998, I think. He was very famous in London, but he was not famous in America yet. He did he had no shows over here, and. Um, he was, you know, in his restaurants in London were very famous, uh, very, sorry, expensive and, and sort of exclusive. So even in England, not a lot of people knew who he was. He did his first cookbook release in America because English, England uses the metric system. They have to translate the books to American chefs. So, <laughs> so American cooks can use them. So uh, it was kind of a big deal. It was his first book in America. Yeah. And uh, he was doing his book release party on Halloween. Um, and it was kind of, it was just the weird timing, but the, the party in New York was on, in Halloween um, at restaurant Danielle. It's a very fancy French restaurant on the Upper East Side. And I was working with Bon Appetit. So I went with a couple of our editors and a group of us all went after work. And it, the cocktail party was maybe from six to eight, you know, with little canapes and champagne with your pinky out. And it was a very kind of fancy night. And after a couple hours, we were saying our goodbyes and we knew there was this party being hosted downtown in um, in Soho by Vaucliqueau, the Champagne, and they hosted an annual Halloween party called Yellowween because their their labels are kind of orange for their champagne, so they just used it as an excuse to 
to throw Halloween parties. So we're getting ready to go. And Danielle's like, well, whoa, whoa, where are you going? And he's like, uh, where we said, well, we're, we're just going to go down to the, the co-party, but we're probably going to grab like a burger or something first. Cause you know, we've been eating these little teeny canapes <laughs> and we're kind of hungry. And he's like, no, 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 eat dinner here. And we're like, oh, oh, chef, thank you. You know, like that's a really expensive dinner. We're like, oh, chef, thank you. It's very generous, but we'll, ju- we'll just go and we'll see you down there. He's like, no, no, cause Gordon wants to come too. So just wait. And then we'll all go together. Just have a bite in the bar. We're like, just a bite, just a bite in the bar. It's like, okay. So we sit in the bar and then the waiters come over the like tablecloth and yeah, like all these place settings with multiple forks. And we're like, oh dear. And it's like eight o'clock, but like suddenly we're having a five course, six course dinner. And then it's like 11 o'clock. And finally at 11, Danielle comes back out of the kitchen and is like, okay, okay, I'm just going to get dressed. I have a limo that's going to come pick us up and then we'll all go together. So like 1130, we finally get in this limo. We drive down to Soho. And, um, and actually a couple of the people from the dinner were like, you know, it's 1130. It's like Tuesday. I got, I got to go home. So we lost a couple of people. We get in the limo, we get onto this party. We make like 1145. It ends at midnight. We get there just in time for one glass of champagne. And there's a couple pictures of us from that night at that party. And then we're like kicked out. It's like, it's over. And, and Danielle's like, Oh no, no, no. I know it. We'll, we'll go to, I have this great bar. And he looks at Gordon and he says, it's like a British pub. You're going to love it. And Gordon's like, Oh, all right, mate, let's go. Yeah. sounds great. So we get back in the limo and, you know, we're all in kind of suits because we've come from the office and then gone to this fancy cocktail party. So no, no one's in costume. We're just like in suits. We show up at this, um, this bar in the meatpacking district of New York. It's called hogs and heifers, <laughs> which is, if you can, um, as you might imagine, it's a biker uh-huh. bar. It's not unlike Coyote Ugly. If you've sure, ever seen yeah, that yeah. movie, it is known as a biker bar. Girls stand on the bar. Uh-huh. And um, the, the thing about hogs and heifers is a giant moose head behind the bar and women take their bras off and hang them on the antlers. So actually, when you look, you can't even see it's a moose. All you see is a bunch of bras. And some women are kind of coy and do it under their shirt and just pull it out, you know, and then hang it on the boot. And some women, uh-huh, okay, you know. Okay. So this is what this bar is known for. And the bartenders are also verbally abusive to the patrons. So one of the gals is like, she's jumped up on the bar and she's got a, me- she actually has a megaphone. And she's like, she kind of yells at patrons and calls them out. So Danielle goes and gets this all Paps Blue Ribbon in cans. <laughs> and, and there's sawdust on the floor. There's Johnny Johnny Cash on the jukebox. And um, it's just a, a, a dive bar. And Gordon's like kind of looking around like, this is not like an English pub, mate. <laughs> and a couple of my friends are just like, what are we doing? And Danielle's like, isn't this great? So he starts yelling at the girls on the I, I don't know if I this part's a little bit he starts yelling at the girls on the bar hey show us your uh-huh, you know, like take off your bras uh-huh. you know and and the waitress is like you're not man enough you wouldn't know what to do so they just go back and forth and finally he gets kicked out like he the bouncer comes over and's like sir you have to leave now and he's like yeah, and his publicist is with us and she's like oh this is so gonna be in page six like the gossip gossip page tomorrow she's like this is a terrible story so that's how i met gordon ramsay fast forward i'm at the cosmopolitan snow patrol is having a concert on the pool deck and he's in vegas opening his restaurant at the caesars next door and he was invited so he's over we're kind of hanging out in this like vip cabana and he's like wait so where did we meet again and i'm like i um, maybe well, I think it was uh, your your restaurant in London on the Royal Hospital Road. He's like, no, I don't think that. like, uh, was it um, when I worked at Bon Appetit magazine? I did an event. And he's like, no. And I'm like, chef, was it Halloween in in Soho? He's like, oh my god, that's where we met. <laughs> and he still remembers it. All right. 
He's like, he was like, wait, how did we meet again? Like he couldn't remember. And I'm like, yeah, chef, I think it was this time. So that's how I met Gordon Ramsay. Is he as fun as he is on TV or is that, is that more of a show or? It's definitely the shouty part and the, I mean, I think he did have a reputation for being one of those very hot headed swearing sort of throw things at you in the kitchen chefs. He worked for Marco Pierre White in London, who was very, who was known for that too. So he kind of grew up in that style. Yeah. It's Levi Fair, like kitchen, kitchen up until even like, I, I, we always is like young cook nowadays. Like that's what I always said. But like up until me, like in the beginning 2000s, we still talk about a kitchen is always Levi Fair. Like a lot of times it's just too long. There's no time for you to be around bushes. You just bark all your order and then call it a day. Like you, to work in the kitchen, especially like a high volume kitchen, you have to remember like nothing is personal. It's only like at that moment, you just have to uh. get the, the fact that we always need to use the shortest communication time and then to <laughs> deliver the most clear comments so what do you do you bark orders but yeah i think i've seen him you know i saw him with on his show with uh the contestant she was an asian woman she's blind and he's very gentle with too. her i remember yeah he's very yeah. gentle and with the kids with Master Chef Junior, yeah. he's very encouraging and, and not mm-hmm. not mean to exactly. the kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like it's like we don't want to say it's not. We're not mean to people. It's just like the way we communicate. Like we need to be really fast. And then when we have time and the environment that we actually, most of chefs are really good teachers, right? Because for uh-huh. us, we have to break it down the steps in our own head in order to execute. Because we always constantly multifunction. Uh, so when we are come to our term to teach people, we, we know exactly how to break it down into smaller parts so they can absorb it very quickly. And then so most of the time, a good chef, they're always good teachers. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that comes across even on TV. So, so you're working in the industry and, and there's these big food events. What, what chef... Uh, in your mind, and again, this is going to be hard for you because you know everybody. <laughs> what chef in your mind uh, is totally worth the hype? You know, like someone in the industry that has impressed you and is is nice and is is professional as well as just a good friend or or a good person. I know I get asked a lot, like who's the best one or who's the favorite or whatever. But I, well, I will say one person who I really really respect um, in the business is Nobu. Uh. Nobu Matsuhisa. So he, if you know his story, it's like, you know, it's just immigrant, opened a restaurant and, you know, worked his way up. And now I don't, I've lost track of how many restaurants he has. It might be 50. <laughs> they are all over the world. Literally, I think four, four continents. Wow. And he's so, I've been to at least, so Japan, Paris, London, Milan. So I've been to at least, you know, five countries plus the ones here in America. They are so consist- consistent which to me is like a mark of a really good chef is, is when you're not there and people are cooking your food and it's executed that consistently. Um, but just, you know, nice, funny, all those things. <laughs> I have a funny picture. We did a charity auction lunch where we were cooking at some, but you know, some person paid $25,000 to have Wolfgang Pock and Nobu cook in their house. <laughs> and we were cooking in their kitchen and they had an aquarium and Nobu was holding a sushi knife. And I I looked at the aquarium. I'm like, no, Nobu, you can't do that. There's a picture I have of him where he's got the knife and he's like, I can't keep goldfish. And he's like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's very funny. And we know that you're, you're good friends with Giada and you've, you've hung out with her a lot since she's moved to LA. 
Um, any good stories with Gianna? Any memories with Gianna De Laurentiis? Um, I mean, I just, I was, I hosted her baby shower in New York. Uh -huh. Like she had her family had one here in LA. But then at that time when I lived in New York, um, I said, all these people, you know, want to, are asking, are you going to do something here? I'll host it. And she's like, I don't really know that many people in New York. I'm like, well, like work people, food network. She's like, all right. I'm like, just give me a list of names and I'll, I'll send the invitations out. And she's like, okay. She gives me a list of 40 names. I'm like, I thought, uh, you don't know them. I mean, you know, I have a one bedroom apartment. I'm like, uh, I thought, she's like, they're not going to cut. She's like, look, it's like, you know, it's like Hoda Kotb and Natalie Morales and Meredith Vieira. They're not going to come. She's like, there's just, I just feel like I obligate. I'm like, okay. So I, I mail out invitations to these well, they all show that they all RSVP. <laughs> yes. So I'm like, okay, we can't do this in my apartment now. <laughs> so I actually, thank goodness, had a friend who had a restaurant that was only open for dinner. So I said, okay, pl please like look at this guest list of all these famous people. Uh -huh. It's like chefs and food network and today's show. And I'm like, they're, you know, I just need ladies lunch. It doesn't have to be heavy. And, you know, he let me BYOB. So I brought in champagne and vodka just to do a couple like uh, drinks and then uh, nice ladies lunch. And then he sent out, he's a pastry chef. He sent out every dessert because Giada is a huge sweet tooth. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that was the baby shower I hosted her. Yeah. It's, it's good to have friends that are party planners. <laughs> I mean, thank you. And then I, I will say that is kind of like a thank you that year for my birthday. She took me to Paris. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we got to get to Paris. It also helps to have friends that are, uh, you know, celebrity chefs. <laughs> We haven't seen any big food events for a couple of years now. What do you What do you think? Are you surveying? Are we going to see food events like that anymore? Where there's 50 chefs and 2,000 people? Are we going to see those? The smaller ones have come back, and because you can do them outdoors, oh, um, some people have done sort of barbecue fests or, or casual ones here in LA. I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, if If we'll ever go back to the big, big, big ones, um, it's just it's risky because every time we think we're doing good and then yeah. Omicron and Delta, it's like, so people are worried to like book travel and, and, you know, commit to that many things. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Get vaccinated, everyone. I think so. It, people, this is like people still craving that human connection. The fact yeah. that, no, definitely. The fact that Coachella announced and first weekend sold out within one hour, uh -huh. So I mean that's a hundred thousand people first weekend already sold mm -hmm. out. So so you know that um people still want to come out. So food events, I feel like it's gonna come back. It's just have you done any surely no, since since COVID? It. Have you done any food festival? <laughs> yeah. No. Because yeah. for me, like so because for for our restaurant, it's like we have our team, right? Like, and then like, we have one single team. We can only open five days a week, so we only have one team uh, to open our restaurant. So if we need to do any event, I turn it down. So like the Del Mar uh, horse racing or something like that, they asked me if I can, if I want to do dumpling there. I'm like, no. And then Coachella asked me, you want to do Coachella? I'm like, no. Yeah, yes. yeah. I yeah. turn on Coachella because it's like this. And like, if something happens, if they have to cancel, I, I need to start prepping them right now already because I do dumplings, you know, I do house-made dumplings. So it's all about planting and people. I don't have a team to go work the Coachella. It's like a lot of trouble. Yes, it used to be great way of revenue to get that two weeks, a lot of cash to come in. And also my team used to love Coachella. Like everybody just go there and 
because it's like vendors you go yeah. there for free so like we all take term so they get to see <laughs> all the concerts and, and all those sort of things but then now it's just like it's almost like burden it's not so fun to think about so like i said no yeah. right now well, if you need someone to carry your knives, Madison will carry your knives for you at Coachella. Of course. That's exactly. Like, my little sister, like, I like the, the, she won as my employee the last time Coachella was around. That's, like, Blackpink and everybody, like, Billie uh-huh. Eilish is, like, amazing. So, like, that's yeah. why she said, hey, are you still going to Coachella? Like, literally all my friends and family said, hey, are you going to Coachella? Because every single one of them wants to go there for free. I'm like, yeah. But did your sister actually, did your sister actually help you or... <laughs> she, she's the worst. She always take advantage of me. Like, like she's like she really. She always used me too. And I remember she she was in this uh, intern program at emergency room at USC here. Like she was here for like a month, and then she just like she told people, "Do you know who my sister is? My sister is Shirley Chang from Top Chef." So she would get the shift that she wanted, or follow the residents that she wanted. <laughs> Because they all watch Top Chef. She goes, I beat you today again. I was like, what? <laughs> or like, hey, can you like drop off some mochi dumpling? I'm like, no, I don't have time to drop off mochi dumpling for you. She said, oh, I just want to introduce you to my resident. I'm like, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, she's totally using me. Oh, man. Well, someday when you need a medical procedure, she might be there for you. Oh, no. Exactly. Exactly. That's why her fiance is a dentist. <laughs> yeah, I was like, we have everything planned. <laughs> all right yeah you know you you wash one hand washes the other right Shirley? so yeah i was like i take care of your free meals but yeah you take care of our medical stuff <laughs> <laughs> all right so we're in, so with shirley we're around what are we in 2013 when did top chef when did you get into top chef at first uh, i mean they filmed 2013 but they actually aired 2014 oh my god so long ago i feel like uh-huh. it's not that long ago it's so long ago now think about uh-huh. it yeah uh, that's the first time new orleans uh season 11 yeah, so just to recap, they wanted you, they came to find you in Vegas, and you you kept eluding them and avoiding them, but they finally got you. You even went to China, they found you in China. <laughs> <laughs> so they called you in, and had you had you watched any of those kind and of shows? You know, I mean, like, this is not the first time they tried to recruit me already, um, because, like, when I was chef for Carne Vino uh, for Mara Vitale, that time it was such a big opening. Top Chef already tried to tap me. So that's like a season, a few seasons before that. I think it was a Vegas season, the Vitaggio Brothers season. Anyway, uh, and then and then also Hong, who was season two winner, I believe. Three? I forgot. But anyway, so Hong, three, but yeah. Hong and I, we were in Geese of Law together, like same station. I was fish station line cook. He was a sous chef at Geese of Law. And then after Geese of Law, I went, went out to work for Marvel Tali and he went out to compete in a top chef and he won. And so like for me, I was like, oh man, I know somebody that already won. Like, and he told me to go on and then I'm already like the executive chef of Las Vegas million dollar restaurants and I got nominated for James Spear. I'm just like, it's a lot of ego problem. I was like, yeah. I'm here already. Do I really want to put myself through to compete? Like, is it, do I really need to build a brand for myself? Like I didn't think through. Yeah. So like, because I didn't really, ultimately, because when I was working for people, when I was in Vegas, I didn't really think about to branch out on my own. I'm always thinking about my goals really to be the corporate chef. So like, well, Jose Andres asked me, hey, do you want it to be Las Vegas culinary director? I was like, oh, that's like already my love. It's like, for me, I, I like reach like the top, almost the top that I wanted to. Like, 
for the longest time when I became a chef, I always thought I just wanted to be a corporate chef. Like I just wanted to be like a VP of something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. that's what that was what you know, the VP of Gab. That's exactly that's what that's what I thought. I didn't <laughs> for as much as I love cooking and eating, I actually didn't think about I will be become a restaurateur by myself until yeah. Lucky Rice. This is all Carol evolved too. <laughs> so like Carol helped her friend started this Asian festival thing called Lucky Rice. And then Lucky Rice came to Las Vegas for the first time. So a lot of California chefs actually came to Las Vegas to do this food, Asian food festival. Mm. It was in Cosmopolitan Hotel. And I met Charles Fan. Uh, I met Chef Charles mm. Fan for the first time in person. Uh, and then I, I helped him out, like set up station and pass through health check and all those sort of things. And then so after the festival, like we had a really great conversation at like in front of Wicked Spoon, the buffet, in the mm-hmm. lobby for two hours. Me and Chef Charles Fan chatted for two hours and the whole entire time. He's pretty much talking to me, go, Shirley, you are beyond a corporate chef. I know you love working for Jose, Chef Jose Andres and he's a great boss and blah, 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 but you're more than that. You really have to think through it. You are bigger than that. You will do so something so much more. So you should leave. He told me to leave. Okay. People who don't know, Charles is the chef owner of the Slanted Door in San Francisco. Uh-huh. Yes. And then he's also like really cultivating, like about building and helping young chefs to build their own names and That's working cool. with yeah. young chefs and partner up, opening a restaurant in the San Francisco area. You know, like he's known for that. Yeah. So yeah. like he had, so we had this conversation in 2013. I remember that, 2000, yeah, 2013. At a lucky lucky rice festival and then so i think that kind of like putting in my head that was like, oh <laughs> so so i did have <laughs> i left jose andres didn't really uh, think about next and then top shot happened so uh-huh. like that was top shot i was like oh maybe i am at capacity that i will be able to build my own name and to start my own restaurant group and then to to do something on my own so like so charles i want to say charles fan plan the seed uh. Carol, she so, brought Lucky Rice. She's the <laughs> one that introduced me to like, because like, like the Lucky Rice, Daniel Chan, and they all like came to Chino Bubana, have cocktail and all those sort of things. I still remember the initial meeting. I'm telling you, there's a lot of different things. A lot of times Carol doesn't even know that she planned to see. But a lot of my career growth is really like all connected to her. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's, she's the girl behind the girl sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're you're rolling into New Orleans and and what what's crossing your mind here? Are you thinking I want to win this thing? Or are you like I just want to get my name out there? What what was kind of going through your head as you're rolling into New Orleans? Well, at first I was just like I better win because I know Hong. <laughs> and I think hi once I start talking to everybody, I was like, holy shit, like everybody oh sorry. Everybody's good- like <laughs> restaurant owners, executive chefs, and then people working for like Daniel, like and Medina, and, you know, like people know how to cook. I was like, there's no joke. And I was just like, what happened to Top Chef? Because like, you know, because Top Chef's year grow, like the time that Hong competed, yeah, he competed against culinary students. And he was a sous chef of Lisa Watt and then working per se, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, what he won was that. And then by the time that my season competed, everybody, like the, there's two sous chefs that like, at that time, a sous chef, they all lost. Like the first two rounds, Papa, like all the sous chefs were all gone. Like every single one, all knew how to cook. And so, so it was just, 
battle. I just did it, and then I didn't really think about. I have no idea about brand building or anything like that. All I wanted to do is I just need to make it one episode at a time, one challenge、uh-huh. at a time, and then win it. So therefore, that the first time around when I was on Top Chef, I actually won a lot more challenges. But I didn't build my brand. Like I didn't know who I was. Like people don't know what kind of food I call. I have I cook. I have no concept of what is the brand building. Like all I wanted to do is like, and also I I cannot agree with myself that I'm Chinese American. That Chinese American food is what I wanted to cook. Like I cannot put that idea into my、uh. head. I was like, no, I do not cook Chinese food. Like I'm always like, I know like my best subject is French, and I cook Italian. You know, like. I was part of opening Italy, this giant project. You know what I mean?、Right. Like、I have so much of this like Italian French knowledge, and then like why I don't want to cook Chinese food. I never train Chinese food, right? So like I have a self battle myself too. And then throughout Top Chef, the first time as I'm cooking, and I realizing every single dish that I was creating is it doesn't matter what kind of technique I use, but there's always a piece of me. I, there's always like a piece of Chinese. Ingredient, I will always add to it, and it, sometimes、mm. it's soy sauce and it's fermented black bean, or it's a special vegetables, or it's like a tech, or it's like a little trick or something like that. It's Chinese cuisine, or I do like a, a fresh noodle but with Italian sauce, all those sort of things. And I yeah, realized yeah. I was like, this is what I cook. So it sounds really cheesy, but by the end of Tasha first time on season eleven is actually where I found my culinary voice. I was like, oh, I cook modern American food. But always with a Chinese soul, so that、yeah. kind of became. And I realized, oh, this is my cooking. I found myself. I knew exactly what kind of food I cook now because I always work for other chefs. So I always translating other chefs' vision. They tell me I'm opening an Italian steakhouse. So according to that, I'll create. They tell me、um, I want to open a taqueria, a noodle dumpling side by side. So according to their vision, I create. But on top chef is how I feel. This is my vision. It's actually is my response. That's why it's better because it's reaction. It's how I reacted、yeah. at that moment. I didn't really think. I didn't really plan. Is my body just go through that? So it's actually more me, and this is my true cooking. It's your DNA. I think that's one thing about Top Chef is you'll hear the judges at judges' table say, "I want to see more of you in this dish. I want to know who you are." They do constantly kind of try to pull that from the chef testants. So I think it is it is kind of cathartic. It does kind of bring that out. Yeah, and I also one of the the first time I was on Top Chef competing, I realized something that I done that every time if I try to redo a old recipe that I done before, uh, to play safe, you know what? Uh, I, I'm even though I never on the bottom, but I never win. I can never win with the dish that I, I did before. Every、mm. single time I won a challenge, is always I create on the spot. Like I'm really feeling it, and then so like every single winning dish is always a new dish for me. Like so, so like from that, and I realize, and I also like being on top shot is always kind of like a confidence builder too. Because throughout my career, because I came from the Silicon Valley, so. Even though, like every single chef job that I got, I always move up really fast. But I always thought it was my operational skill, is because I was always the one that did all the paperwork. I answered all the emails and I organized all the recipes, and then I did food cost perfectly because you know I'm really great at math and I have corporate <laughs>、uh, corporate background and all those sort of things. So I never think about it was my palate, it was my cooking, it was my you know I can multitask、uh, the way I create, the way I tell my story through food. I mean I didn't really. Think about it. That was my talent as a chef. But being the first time being on Top Chef made me realize I was like, 
I'm really good. My palate is better than most people. And I like why I come to create because of my background, who I was. And then I can bring this special piece into my food. And I really enjoy using food as a platform to tell my story and then tell that moment. And then to have people connect to me through my food at that moment. So things like that, I was like, oh, this is this is my ability. So like Top Chef actually gave me confidence and made me realize that I'm a great chef. Yeah, that's a cool story. <laughs> a great chef operator. <laughs> yeah. Now, how do you how do you prepare for a show? Like, do you have like your husband just throw out crazy challenges to you or, or can you prepare at all or you just show up and hope for the best? So for a Top Chef, it's very different because mm, Top Chef is really there's no weird things, you know, like, cause then I was on, I'm on top turn on my champion now. So it was like a different competing mentality is very different how you played the game ultimately, but top show, because there's a quick fire challenge. They also have long challenges, but every single challenge, the time is real. You have to create at that moment and based on how you feel and create based on ingredients and all those sort of things. So I really wanted to say that like, I, there's a lot of shop try to memorize recipes and then try to recreate and all those sort of things those chefs never last like <laughs> it's true so it's, uh-huh. it's just like us that at that moment we already know like the recipe is part of us so it's our reaction to poo food like this to create this dish like that like there's no i mean like sometimes you will see right like every single one of us all have this i like, all try to memorize uh, olive oil uh, uh olive oil cake for dessert and a panna cotta for dessert because we're safe chefs we know if we make it to restaurant world and then there's a chance that you have to do dessert, right? Like, so yeah, as savory chefs, so we all try to memorize a couple of dessert recipes in our head. So when <laughs> we get to that, then we do. But as we compete, especially me, I learned to that, hey, I don't bake a cake normally. Why am I going to make a cake on co- like, when I'm competing? You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I made rice pudding. I made uh, frozen ice, like shaved ice and the things that I normally do anyways, sometimes as a savory chef. So it really is like, Top Chef is a competition that really showcases exactly where your cooking skill set at. And then you have to be able to really quick to think on your feet. So if you're the type of chef that creative, a really great chef, but take you a while to create this thing, your thinking process is kind of slow. Top Chef is not meant for you. Like yeah. you have to be certain type of chef that you're great, but you have to be quick on your feet and you can be able to adopt to different scenarios really quick and don't stuck there. Because a lot of times for me, it's like, when I compete, I lose something. It's not the other person's fault. It's not the other person's better than me. Is I messed up. Like uh, I'm always constantly competing the best of myself. So only I can mess myself up. I lo- I can only lose to myself. I don't lose to anybody else. Yeah. I mean, so, you can't control. Yeah. So this type of chef will go further when you're competing on top chef. You have to be able to cook with what you have and not to last minute try to learn something is not going to work. Uh, yeah. Is there, is there something that as viewers that we don't know about top chef, is there any something behind the scenes that you can tell us is like, are you guys actually friends or, you know, how, do, how does it go behind the scenes? And, and We're or really what's... Close. So we always describe like our top chef family, the people that we competed against is like, we got quail back together. We got vacuum packed together. <laughs> we have no choice. And we have to like react and to do be super close to each other. And then after you vacuum pack, you know, you release the back and then we become compressed vegetables or, you know, that like we super marinated. <laughs> so we got each other's essence completely absorbed into each other already for a lifetime. So 
So like for the good chefs, there's a couple of bad apples that we don't talk to because they do something <laughs> horrible on the show. So uh -huh. there's a couple, one or two chefs that we don't talk to at all. But for majority of them, we have a chat chat group on WhatsApp. Even to this day, especially my season 14, like the second time around, uh, we're still constantly at least talk once a week right now. This is oh, what wow. six years later, once a week. <laughs> and as throughout pandemic, it was a really good helping group that we exchange policies, informations, and then support. So it's like mentally is really good a support group as a as like mental health wise. And then also the other season chefs or like the chefs that we coach or, or we judge throughout other seasons is that once we're coming to this top chef uh, big family, we always do like collaboration with each other. We just become like automatically friends pretty much. Yeah. 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 It's really, we're really friendly towards each other. Do you have a, an episode that stands out in your mind as kind of your, your favorite or one that you'll never forget? I mean, like, I think my, my episode is uh, our, the Asian American episode that that's before Crazy Rich Asian came out. Uh -huh. A lot of people all say it's the most Asian uh, scene you saw on television. It was my uh, top show season 14 finale. I didn't win. I lost. But during that finale that like, my sister, my mom, my husband, they were all there. Like my mom uh, doesn't really speak that much English. So she asked at the ta dining table. I didn't tell her to do that. Like actually at the dining table, she asked my sister, uh, how do you say in Chinese? Uh, she asked, how do you say I'm proud of you in, in English? So she said that in, in uh, you know, right? So she said that in, in Chinese and they kept it all. And then uh -huh. my sister translated. And then so when I came out to greet everybody, to thank the, the audience after my whole entire meal, uh, presented my menu. And then I went up to my mom. And then the first thing she said was in English, she said, I'm very proud of you. I was like, and so we cried. Uh, <laughs> yeah. so that was a hundred percent it was like amazing butterworks yeah so so that was like that was like the moment right and then yeah. and then like but the but the funny thing is like a lot later on a lot of people always talk about oh like your mom must be so proud of you now you're being a celebrity chef and blah blah, blah right so i was like ah you guys know, you guys, you guys don't know she's more proud of me for being <laughs> A celebrity. <laughs> Take away the shot. Because even till this day. I mean, now she's a lot better. Like, right, like she sees, you know, like how we fight through COVID with our restaurant. We're still surviving. Uh -huh. And she's really proud of us and stuff. But up until COVID and all those sort of things, or up until Miss She opening, she still always asks me, go, hey, so I see you do this television. You're like shooting commercial now. You're doing this. So you just do television now, right? You don't have to cook anymore, right? <laughs> like you don't have to be so tired, slaving away. Like, you know, yeah, like, play your yeah, time yeah. in the kitchen, all those sort of anymore. You can just be a celebrity now, right? Like, so that's, my mom's dream is always to be a stage mom. So I'm very <laughs> happy that, like, now she's like, her dream came true. Like, she wants to be able to do her stage mom thing. <laughs> yeah, because she really did a car commercial. Shirley did a car commercial in two languages. Yeah, I did Toyota Benza commercial in Chinese and uh, and uh, English. They're playing like uh, you see it in like Chinese radio, uh, not radio stations, TV stations, and all those sort of things. And that so like the focus, like uh, advertisement or something like that. If you accidentally talk about Toyota while you have on Facebook. Then the in Chinese or something like your Toyota commercial will come up. It will be me, like <laughs> you know, because you, you're Chinese. And then you talk about, hey, 
你们今天有没有听说这个 Toyota 怎么怎么样啊<笑> ？The next day is I sure as hell was Toyota Vanza, Toyota Vanza. We should try that. We should try that. Oh man. <laughs> Mom is so proud. You don't understand. Like that TV commercial. <laughs> Two things. My cookbook. One thing is my cookbook. So publish a book, and also I'm on TV commercial, like commercial that she can tell her friend, "Hey, did you see my daughter today? I saw her three times." You know, like <laughs> like those are the things that she is so proud of. Like、yeah. James James Beer, like your daughter cooking James Beer house. Ah,、oh, who cares? What whatever? She's nominated for James Beer. Okay, whatever. Best dumpling L A Times, huh? Okay, sure, whatever. But publish a book, and also you have a car commercial. Ah,、oh, so proud, so proud. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so how has how has Top Chef changed your life? Is it? It sounds like it was probably one of the more important things that's ever happened to you. No, a hundred percent. Like a Top Chef, uh, put me on the platform. Um, like fast speed, like like fast forward my career. Um, so I cannot thank you. No, I'm very thankful that like being part of Top Chef family. A hundred percent. I'm I'm one、mm. of those that like yeah, I love Top Chef. Thank you, Top Chef. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the current and the future. It's, it's a little hard right now. I mean, you guys are hustling. I like, I like the hustle. You're going with, you know, going on Gold Belly and going with NFTs, cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency.、Yes. But where, where do you see the food industry going? I know、uh, over the holidays, Carol was asking me to recommend some TikTok cooks and stuff like that. Like, where do you see the industry going right now? Is it It's changing for good, or is it? You know, are we just in a weird time right now? I mean, I wanted to say changing for good. We're shoveling. So, like for the people that's not very, you know, like for people that not willing to change or don't know how to change, is a hundred percent is going to fall behind. So this, I really wanted to almost utilize using this opportunity to like, like a facelift of our industry that make us look at. Everything very differently, and realizing that just have a physical store, and that a lot of times is not enough revenue. Just to a physical restaurant is not enough anymore. See, a lot of us have like the online store, and then now we try to have like restaurants and dumpling in the metaverse, in the NFT world. So you know, so I think it's good. Like we have to move forward. So so I I wanted to be optimistic, right? And then so I really. And also the fact that our hospitality still are willing to pay our staff a lot more now, I think is、mm. also really really great because we deserve it.、Um, so like our, our team deserve it. And then so the fact that people's willing to pay more when they're dining out and be more understanding. And then、mm. also it just like I feel like. Our business as a whole, because of pandemic, people are more willing to get understanding and then to see how difficult, how small a margin in the hospitality is at.、Um, so I, hopefully, this is all for good. Because either way, we need to constantly continue to move forward. We shouldn't. We should never just sit here be comfortable. So hospitality restaurant industry is being long due for something. New and something revolutionary.、Mm. So I'm really hoping that after pandemic, there's a lot of different things and concepts coming out. It's really、mm. doing a、uh, like moving our industry forward. Yeah, and Carol, you have a new project, right? You're working on 
what do you call it? It's not a food hall. It's it's more of a. It's a combination. It's a hybrid. So there is a food hall component to it, and then there's also like a virtual kitchen or a ghost kitchen component. So it's called Partake.、Um, the first one we're building is in Long Beach, California. Down here, and、uh, it's 25 commercial kitchens for rent. Some are full commercial kitchens with a hood, and then some are prep kitchens, which is no hood. So it means you can have like a microwave or you know smaller things, but no big、uh -huh. big ranges.、Um, so ideally, people who wanted to start a food business, maybe they're making granola or kimchi, maybe they're starting a pop up,、um, they're catering, they only need a small kitchen space. They don't have a, a full restaurant, or they can't afford a full restaurant. They would rent one of these small kitchens, and then at our location, customers could order the food and sit down and eat in the food hall, or they could take it to go, or they could call Uber, DoorDash,、mm. or some of those other、um, apps and and get the food delivered to them.、Mm. So it's kind of it's I honestly I think it's going to be good. It's good for the times because it's kind of whatever you're comfortable <laughs> with. The next couple of years may still be a little、yeah. fluctuating, so. Probably good to have some options. Yeah.、Um, so that's one thing I'm working on. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Shirley, what what's on tap for Miss Chi Cafe? You already have one satellite. Are you looking at more satellite locations? Yeah, we're looking、or? for a location, hopefully for Mr. Chi that Jimmy wants to open like cocktail driven. <laughs> uh, fun. But I also I wanted to. I'm actually been working on something mafia concept. So I wanted to do a hybrid of B2B and B2C. A lot of my friends.、Um, Uh, either cannot afford prep cook to make dumplings for them at Asian restaurants, or like、uh, the co-packing house that they used to work with got bought up or ran out business through pandemic. So like I feel like that part, that prepare food, white labeling, wholesale is a big part. And then I I am building a brand when it comes to dumpling. So、uh, I wanted to say I like to eat, produce, I sell, distribute, just like a dumpling mafia. I critique dumpling too. I have digital dumplings. So So it really makes sense, and I sell a lot of dumpling retail in Go Valley. So it really makes sense for me to go into wholesale. So that's my、yeah. next step: is going to manufacturing. Yeah! Wow! 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 All right. So、uh, exciting times, tough times, but you know, if, if you're if you're able to pivot and able to to think outside the box, there's opportunities. People still love food that that hasn't gone away. People gotta eat. People, People gotta, eat. gotta eat. Exactly. <laughs> So how are they going to get the great quality food into their stomach? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming along and talking with us,、uh, Carol. Like when I first started this podcast、uh, back in June 2021, I, I I ran it past Carol and she's like, oh oh oh, I can get you this person, I can get you this person, I can get you this person. I was like, Carol, you know I don't know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> you know, I have no clue what I'm doing, and I, I wanted to get some more experience before we brought on some、uh, some of Carol's. Connected friends, but、uh, thank you for bringing along Shirley. Shirley's family,、Yay. so I wasn't as nervous because Shirley's a, a relative of mine. <laughs> so, but thank you both for coming along. It was really fun hearing all your stories, and and I promised a Carol takeover. So now that my audience knows Carol, the next time she comes on, she may just run with it and do whatever she wants on these shows. So thank you, thank you, Carol, for coming on. Thank you, Shirley. Thanks for having us. Oh, my pleasure. And once again, if you want to become part of the Dumpling Mafia, you gotta go online, go onto their Instagram at Dump Dumpling Mafia NFT, or just just search it up. Just search up Dumpling Mafia NFT on Google, and and they'll pop up. And if you if you sign up and you you become part of the Mafia before February seventeenth, 
You can maybe do a little live cooking with Shirley on the 17th for Lunar New Year. Anything else we need to talk about? Yeah, you get a complimentary gold belly dumpling kit uh, sent to you. And then you can log on to Zoom and do the virtual cook along with Shirley. And it's it's on, it's time to Chinese New Year. We had to push it back a little bit because of time crunch. But yeah. um, it'll now be sort of lantern festival. But yeah. We celebrate Lunar New Year. We celebrate we celebrate month long, so, like all month. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also like True. for like at least for Chinese culture, that is especially well Chinese culture as a whole. Northern China is jiaozi, and southern China is the uh, round tangyuan, right? Like so, my dumpling uh-huh. kit include both ends, uh-huh. and then so you get to have dessert, you get to have savory, and then also like to celebrate and visiting family, like you want to bring gifts. So what's the best gift? Can bring is dumplings. <laughs> Bring the dumplings. Physical and physical and virtual teach you how to make. So like yeah. we cover all the ground. And they're symbolic of little purses, right? The yep. bags of money. <laughs> yeah, bags of money. Correct. And also like people like, you know, like NFT is really a young world. So a lot of NFT players are high school kids, junior uh-huh. high kids. And a lot of uh, our friends actually purchasing NFT to give it to their kids as gifts. So like our characters are really cute. It's like street artists created with us. Um, so it's all great for all ages. All right. All right. <laughs> and uh, my, the guy over at Angry Asian Man, he said, hey, everyone who celebrated New Year's on January 1st, that was the pregame. Yeah. The, the pregame for New Year's. The real New Year's is coming February 2nd, right? February 1st, February 2nd, one of those two. And so we're ready for the Lunar New Year because that's going to bring good luck, good fortune, good health to everyone. Pandemic is going to be over. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone out there, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to write to us and you have a message for my sister or Shirley, you can pass I'll pass it along to them. You can write to us at infatuationpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at The Infatuation Podcast. For Shirley, what was it again? It was Chef Shirley Chung with no E in chef, right? Yeah. C-H-F Shirley Chung. C-H-F Shirley Chung. And for Carol Chin, it's just C-A-R-Y-L-C-H-I-N-N. And you'll find her. Thank you both for coming along. Super fun talking to you guys. Thanks for having us. We'll do it again. I want some dumplings. (laughs) Yeah, now I want some dumplings. (laughs) Next time, Shirley, we've got to do a live uh, broadcast from your uh, restaurant. We'll do it uh, while we're eating dumplings. That'll be more fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for coming along, and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Thanks, everyone. (laughs) She's so much fun, huh? Yeah. But she was very intimidating. You really? Well, just for me, because she's such like a vibrant personality. So I feel like I wanted to ask her questions. But then I was just like, I just awkwardly sitting here because I'm too scared. Well, you know, with someone like Shirley, you can just sit back and listen. You know, uh-huh. <laughs> she, she's, she's just fun to listen to. Yeah, for sure, though. I didn't even know that they were that up there. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, man, we're coming up. Infatuation. I mean, actually, I looked up Shirley Chung, so I knew that she was pretty, you know, up there. But, like, your sister's killing it. Yeah, she's behind the scenes. Like, she's not. That's, like, what I want to do. Okay. Within music. Like, I want to kill it behind the scenes. Yeah. Not so much in the forefront. I mean, maybe a little bit, like Jack Antonoff. 
but mm -hmm, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, they're they're in the industry. You know, my sister's pretty well known behind the scenes. Wait. And then, you know, once once you get on TV, you know, Shirley's really well known. So like now. does Chef Ramsey like know her name? Yeah, yeah. They, no way. They're not like friend well, friends, but no, but like he like knows of her, right? Oh, or yeah. like would recognize yeah, no, they work her. Together. That's cool. Yeah. Almost all the celebrity people know my sister from all the events that she did in the That's sick. The last twenty five years. Yeah, no, she's that's why when we first started the podcast, she was like, Oh, I can get you this chef or this chef or this chef and I, I wasn't ready to do interviews yet. Yeah. So no, but like if they offer you should really say yes because you have you have people. It's just it's just a matter of like, you know, accepting it and like being brave. That's true. But um, I think that like you're doing great for the amount of time that like because you just pretty much like started recently and we're already getting we're like growing relatively fast. Well, like we're, not yeah. not from like a social media point, but like but like podcast point. Yeah, yeah. like the people that um we feature on the show is like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and podcasts don't grow like YouTube channels because it's a commitment, you know, like YouTube or TikTok, you just click on it and you just keep scrolling. With podcasts, you, you have to commit, you know, you commit a pretty good amount of time. And so we're never going to grow like that. <laughs> but we're, we're chipping away. We're getting new listeners every week, I think, you know, not that yeah. I can tell, but our numbers are slightly bigger every week, which is where you want to be going. I think it was, I think it's like really, it's really encouraging to me like talking to Sabrina and like your sister and Shirley because like because I just see them as like successful people doing like sort of more unconventional jobs that like like or yeah. like less traditional jobs like not a doctor not a lawyer not like uh -huh. corporate or something and like being successful at it and like starting later in life at it too. Yeah. Yeah. Most of them had to change <laughs> the similar stories. Like, well, I studied economics to please my parents, you know, and then yeah, they, exactly. they pivot into the arts or something. Cause it's yeah. just like, I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, I know that I'm still young, but I took a break from music for a really long time. And so I'm like, I, I'm no prodigy. Like I'm not going to be able to make it because people who make it in music are already like 10 times better than me by now, which is like mm. true. But at the same time, like I've been learning, it's never too late. Yeah, yeah, and, and you don't know. You really don't know. Exactly. So, who knows, man? Maybe podcasting will be your future. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But people like listening to you, that's for sure. Now, I've gotten definitely a couple comments about more Madison, less you. I think I just need to step out of my show yeah. a bit. Well, and then, you know, maybe we should do, we got to do some more stuff where you're a little more confident too, like music stuff or oh, yeah. topics that you like. Yeah, you know. I feel like for like arts related things, those definitely get me to talk more because like for the whole chef, like cooking stuff, like that's so interesting for me to listen to, but it's just like, I can't relate to it in any way. I'm just thinking about like my uncle who's a chef and I'm just like. <laughs> yeah. And you don't really know the names that they were dropping, you yeah, know, like Savoy exactly. Or but Batali, I still think yeah. it's, it, I still think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and and like you said, it's you don't necessarily want to become a chef, but her journey and her mindset, exactly. Stuff you can definitely learn from. There's always something that I can can learn from anyone who does anything, like how yeah. you know I was talk when we were talking to Sabrina, like connecting photography to music. I know that's like yeah. 
it's easier to connect those two than like cooking and music. But like,、uh-huh. still, th- there's always something to learn from people. Yeah, there's a lot of overlaps in the creative process. Exactly, because you know? chefs chefs are creators, you know. Exactly, that's what I was thinking. Um, when Shirley was talking about like concocting, you know, her <sighs> ideas on the spot and like. But letting it be her, and like how it's like a reflection of her. Like then I start to see, like, oh, honestly, it's sort of like self-expression. That process, yeah, yeah. And all three of them, you know, Sabrina, Carol, and Shirley are all entrepreneurs. You know, they all kind of started their own business. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of honestly, as a musician, like you're pretty much your own business. You have to like market yourself and stuff. So it's like there's always something to take away. Yeah. From, oh, and Miranda Quack too. Exactly. You, know, you didn't meet her, but yeah, you know she she just clawed her way no, up. Yeah, listening to her thing, I like. I would have loved to join that one. I really, honestly, <laughs> should have just like skipped six period. Yeah, <laughs> and she was so nice. Did you hear how nice no, she was? No, she sounds so humble and genuine. And you know what? She requested me on my Instagram. Did she? What? I was like, she doesn't like. She only follows. She's following you. Well, no, I didn't accept her yet. I didn't accept you guys, you either, because like, I I don't want、oh, you to、wow. be weirded out by what I post. <laughs> I'm like mentally、oh, preparing、man. for adults to like see my stuff, but that's true. Anyways,、okay. yeah. no, you should definitely accept Miranda. You should definitely. No, accept I、Miranda. will. But she requested me, and I was like, I'm a nobody. Like, you only follow like 200 people. Why are you? Wow. She was yeah, that she impressed. She was that impressed by my reel. Yeah, because <laughs> she, she didn't even meet you. She reposted it. I was like, yeah, yo, she... wait, she did.、Uh-huh. She reposted it. What? I know. Like, I no, because upstairs I was freaking out. I was like, no way, no way, man, no、yeah. way. You see? Oh、that? man, nice legend. Look at me. I'm so、yeah. famous. You are no. I'm telling you, the the listeners out there are like, okay, well now the podcast has started. Now that Madison's on board, because like, I don't know. I I was so surprised she requested me because like, that's、yeah. just so weird. That's cool though. Yeah, no, I'm so. She's up there, man. Like she's not. You know, she's she's an executive producer and she's making shows. I know she's like what I want to be, but for film, like behind the scenes, facilit like you know being a creator. Like she's basically、yeah. like the backbone. And also,、no. I was looking at the cast, and I know people who are in the cast.、Yeah. And Shay Mitchell, who I、right. love, is also an、yeah. executive producer. I was like, that is so sick. That's, yeah, she found the idea. That's、yeah. incredible. Like when I was listening to, I, I don't know why. Like I was thinking of Shay Mitchell when I saw the trailer, but、mm-hmm. then I, I, I was when I was editing, I was like listening to what she had to say, and I was like, oh my god, that's crazy. She was involved. Yeah, I was so nervous. Did you hear how nervous I was? No, All this heavy breath. Exactly. I was like, I was like, you're like, we have hey, so、uh, today <sighs> we. Oh man! <laughs> no, I was having a heart attack. I was having a, a moment, man. I was, I was kind of like, oh man, I'm bombing this. It's just a person. But, yeah. No, it came. I think it came out after you edited. It. I think it came out okay. But man, also like the way you. Put all your words together. <laughs> like I know. I just wanted to get. I was just trying to get the question out as fast as possible. And,、uh, like、yeah. you would also combine words. Like that's gonna be rough. So nineteen. You weren't there, man. It was intimidating because she's a pro. Yeah, <gasps>、oh, she's like. And then she's a Hollywood pro. And then she's so calm and collected. Like 
Yes, so, I am so excited. Thanks for having Hello, me. Hello, Melanie. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you're like, a bunch of clowns. Gosh, Mary, I, think I want to be recommended dumpling place. <laughs> I, think, I think she instantly regretted it when she realized how small time we were. She was kind of like, oh, these amateurs. <laughs> but she was so nice. And she, she stuck it out. But you ever, you know, you ever just have a conversation with someone and it's just not going well. and. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're sinking. That that was how I was feeling. Like I was feeling like I was bombing it. Uh, but she 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 pulled through. You know, she had good answers. Oh and- oh. Also, like I was thinking the whole entire time I was editing the podcast. Like I hope you know that this is how students feel when we have to present <laughs> or like yeah. take tests. Like <laughs> dying. I know it's all confidence. You know, I think it's just I do not have that. Yeah, but this, I-, I think this is really good for me. I think it is. Yeah, I think you're going to get used to talking, having opinions, and having people listen to them. Because, like, yeah, it's honestly really hard for me to talk. Like, even in class, I do not say anything. I'm just like, and Deanna's always like, Madison, just say it. Like, you got the answer right. I'm yeah. like, nope. Like, I don't even know if you're in, are you in my class? I don't even exactly. know. Exactly. Like, <laughs> it's like literally just shivering in the back corner with my hood yeah, over my head. Literally shivering. No, yeah. <laughs> with the windows open. Yeah, no, I, I think you just got to work on, you know, your confidence and that comes with experience and it comes with practice, you know, so the more times you have to express your opinion, the more you'll get used to hearing your own voice mm-hmm. and stuff. So, yeah, I was a I was a painfully shy kid when I was little. That's crazy because all you have to do for your job now is talk. All I do is talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but when I was in, you know. All the way up through eighth grade, I was pretty shy. I was really, really shy. Wait, did your sister go to Lowell? Yeah, so she was she was at Lowell when I got there, and so that helped to have her kind of know people uh, already. Of course, she went to Lowell. Is that even a question? Oh <laughs> uh, man, you know what killed her though is that you know I started to get kind of build up a little bit of popularity, little popularity, <laughs> and then there was a girl, there was some kid, and so she was a senior and I was a freshman. And there was some kid who was like, oh, that's Curtis's sister. And that made her so mad. She's like, no, he's my brother. That's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, so that was fun. I, I think we'll have her do another episode. Like she she can get us. A lot of her friends are, are chefs. And so next time we want to do a chef show, she can get us some, some names. Yeah. And I feel like even pe- like, I feel like talking to like chefs attracts a lot of people like because it's it, like you know because everybody loves food like my parents like, stars, like everybody yeah. like it's just like a part of culture yeah. and a part of life like my parents watch you know cooking shows even though yeah. they're like not pros or anything well if you listen to our first hour that's what it was in the in the 90s it was kind of like people just like the food but then in the 90s it was about oh i'm going to so-and-so's restaurant you know wolfgang puck's mm-hmm. restaurant jeremiah towers restaurant like the celebrity chef thing kind of, it was a thing. Like before, the chefs were just kind of people in the back who never came out of the kitchen and were never seen. But then Food Network came in the 90s and, you know, people realized these big personalities are making this food. And and, and like you said, everyone wants to be friends with a chef because they throw the best parties. You know, they they know how to order wine. They know how to cook food, you know. So it's it's good times when you have friends that mm-hmm. are chefs. Is your, does your sister live in L.A.? Yeah, she's in LA, so she hangs out with some some people down there. And Shirley, that... and Shirley's I... in LA too. Yeah, yeah. Um, like if you guys ever have like family events, are you ever scared to like make food? 
<laughs> no, actually, you know, Carol, Carol just started cooking maybe during the pandemic. Like she oh. has always eaten really good food and knows good food, but she wasn't a real cook. And then the pandemic has really forced her to cook for herself and for her boyfriend. And so they've been cooking a lot, especially Asian food. Like she's been experimenting with Asian food. So yeah, she's not, she wasn't for the longest time, a you know, a snooty cook or anything. She, she knows good food, but yeah, I mean, I with, with Shirley, like she's a real chef, so she's trained. So yeah, that'd be intimidating. Wait, did you guys like grow up with her or they just met within the industry? Yeah. And no, Shirley's much younger. Yeah. They met in the industry. Oh, I, actually today's the first day I've talked to Shirley. I've never met her before. Oh, I'm so surprised. Yeah. <laughs> she's so easy going though. Like she's so easy to get to know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my sister doesn't introduce me to her famous friends. <laughs> Who do you think is her so, most famous friend? I mean, well, I mean, they're all in the... Well, you like this. One time in New York, they were um, they were kind of having a birthday party for my sister. Mm-hmm. And John Mayer showed up. And his birthday is also in October. Okay, little guitarist. Yeah, right. Except among and so the Swifties, ha- we don't like him. Oh, There's a really? song about okay. him called Dear John. He's a little shady, yeah. No, yeah, but yeah. he's a he's a great musician. He he's a great yeah, but guitarist he's on, on a personal level. Yeah, we have beef on a personal level, but he doesn't know okay. it. But like, I I do admire him. Like, um, I actually keep up with some of his stuff. There's this uh, guitar teacher at Berkeley College of Music that I watch because he taught John Mayer. Uh-huh. So that's so they had a birthday party together in New York. That's so. incredible. But I, I, they're not friends. But yeah, but um, still. That's like a but, really odd experience that nobody would ever have. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, she's had some some celebrity hangouts that are. Yeah. What about like cooking events for celebrities? Hmm. Yeah. No. I. She's. She's met a lot of people. They're not necessarily friends, but she's met a yeah. lot of celebrities. Yeah. So I have met no one. But. It's kind of cool through the podcast, though. You know, I feel like I could, like, I, I've commented on some of Miranda's posts, you know, and so she knows who we are now. How long did it take her to follow you? Like, instantly? I don't think she follows us. <laughs> she does. Oh, uh, or a podcast one? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She follows her podcast. But I didn't, I'm not on a, I don't, my personal one she's not following. She's following your personal one. Oh, yeah. But how long did it take her to follow the podcast? I don't remember. I'm so but, surprised. I yeah, was like, you should definitely oh, accept. You should definitely accept. What? <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Anyway, that's cool. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, I think we had a good episode. You'll, I think you'll enjoy the first hour. Shirley has some crazy stories there too. Just funny. Mm-hmm. Just some funny stories. A lot of the stuff that. Um, but she. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, the the sound's gonna be an issue. The whole time I was like, oh my god. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think, I think it'll be, I don't think it'll clip because I, I think I had her turn down her Zoom. Actually, I thought that was her with an unadjusted Zoom level. That's why I commented. I was like. I think I asked her to turn it down. It's okay. But she talks really loud. Yeah. The content is there. So again, content is king. Content is king. So we can clean it up. But overall, what she says is good. So that's going to matter most. Good to hear. Uh, so I'll, I'll cut it up a little bit and I'll let you do the second hour, which will be fun because you were there. Yeah. So, all right. Well, go do some homework. 
go study for the AP bio test. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, did I tell you I'm recording another episode on Thursday? <laughs> for what? Do you know Matt Allen? He teaches uh, special ed at Galileo. But he, I want to get an episode in the books in case one of my guests flakes out. So I'm going to have an extra episode just in case we need one, a backup episode. What are you guys going to talk about? He started a CrossFit gym in China. That is so random. Super random. But I think, um, but since, you know, people are working out after the New Year's, trying to lose a little winter weight and stuff. So I thought it'd be kind of a fun episode. And he's a personality. He's a crazy, he's, keep saying crazy. He's a really fun personality. Wait, like how does he like monitor it and like run it? No, no, no. He, he, he lived in China, but now he's back here. Oh, but he has like people running it for him? I don't know if he still owns it, but he, he, he started it. Interesting. So yeah, it'll be fun. And he said he was the first CrossFit gym in Xi'an, China. Wow. Legend. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so that'll be Thursday. I'm going to record that live. I think I'm going to try to record that at school. Nice. And not Zoom. So we'll see how that goes. I got to try out the sound. Um, but anyway, so we'll have that episode. I, I edited the Chinese New Year's one with my friend Jenny about the movie. We'll have this one. We got a lot going on. Yeah. So good times. So <laughs> many tests on Friday. So excited. All I right. love school. You'll be great. <laughs> You'll be fine. At least All I got right. everything right on my, on the pop quiz, even though it was easy, but still was uh, okay. a little bit scared. Well, that's something. something. Exactly. Well. I'll see you. Okay. Bye.